Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical abortions shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortions.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.Cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, Choice.CRD.CO has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up. Take care and spread the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it is newer. How is everybody? Um, I said on Saturday, I wasn't sure if I had COVID and guess what guys that day I had a fever and I did not have COVID because I went and got myself tested, um, got the whole family tested. Um, but I, I don't have COVID, but I was sick. <laughs> um, I was sick this weekend. I wasn't feeling great. I just crashed. And you know, it's one of those things where you don't know if it's, um, COVID, a cold, the flu, or depression. And uh, as the little girl in the Ortega commercial says, why not both? Why not all of the above? Okay. Um, today we're talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta and Married to Medicine, my favorite Sunday lineup. So chill, so relaxing. I'll be honest with you. If I didn't have to write notes for this, <laughs> I would be lounging on my couch, eating popcorn and possibly choking on it from laughing so hard. It's just such a good, this is just such a good lineup. Um, let's talk about Atlanta first. So Real Houses of Atlanta, everyone is back home from Blue Ridge when they were forced to leave Marlo's trip. They're doing their thing. Sheree is at home with her gorgeous son, Cairo. Um, now, as I was watching this, I realized that he actually looks like a cousin of mine. And now I'm horrified. Because I also believe that there is photographic evidence of his privates. Um, according to um, Care Berry from Everybody's Business But Mine, um, nothing right home about, but uh, he's still gorgeous and he still does look like my cousin. And it's weird because Trey is like, oh, I want, you know, Cairo, you're going to need to model my, uh, my Shubert Sheree stuff. And he's kind of looking at her like, model what? Sheree says that she's 
like she they, we see a flash of like her designs i'm not gonna lie the designs look great but she's like oh you know i'm just getting the designs on paper so it's like nice to be able to edit it and i want to ask girl it's been like 15 years where were we before this where were the designs like the fact that she's like oh we just are getting the designs on paper so now i can edit it where were the designs before where were we on shoot by charade joggers mama what why is the progress now this <laughs> and then later on in the episode she goes to like a fabric store and she's shopping for like different kinds of fabric she starts to talk about the men's joggers and she says a vpl now i'm i'm familiar with the vpl for vi- visible panty line now she says it's a visible print line and apparently the print we are uh making viz to all is the dong dong and that then i was like well you just asked your son earlier this episode that you're gonna you're gonna have him um you're gonna have him model clothes <laughs> Ooh. but also now i have questions about the vis- visible uh print line that she's talking about now i don't have a penis okay but i've seen many um, okay, let me, let me retract that. I'm familiar with the penis. I mean, I don't have one. And I do know that they come in all shapes and sizes. And I do know that, um, the, and, and, and I knew, I know that there is, there is obviously the attraction of, of course, the hot man and gray sweatpants. I mean, hello, we're all, we both in there. Okay. And I get what she's trying to say, but like when you say visible print line for a penis and she wants to see how it hangs, number one, you're going to have your son model those. Number two, um, like are men supposed to wear this commando? What are we doing here? And also like, is, is it like boxers? Is it going to be snug? If it's snug, are the, we're talking about these are yoga pants, how tight. And then also like, is it going to enhance it or not? Because again, they come in all shapes and sizes. Some men are showers and not growers. Some men are growers and not showers, okay? Um, and so how does one fill in and will the sizing be based on the size of your dog? And also, like, is there going to, like, what? Is the does she mean print line like as in there's just gonna be like a little like print that says penis here, <laughs> insert penis here? How does that work? And also, like I've learned from George Costanza, shrinkage is a thing. So like, how are we fitting these into your joggers? I want to understand more. Now I don't watch the show that her new boyfriend is from Martel. I've only seen it from everybody freaking out on the internet that Sheree is now dating this man. I think he's from Love and Marriage, um, one of the Love and Marriage shows. I've never watched it. I think I should watch it. But apparently he is horrible. He is like the worst guy ever. So Sheree has learned nothing since Tyrone. Um, she continues to be with shitty guys, but we did see like all over the internet pictures of them together, taking pictures, whatever, in workout gear. So I was like, 
is this man involved in the modeling of these pants? I just need more clarification. It's weird. I want more clarification about the VPL, but I also don't. I also don't. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I should take this moment and say to myself, that's not for me because I don't have a penis. So maybe I'm not the, I'm obviously not the consumer. I'm certainly not going to get them for my husband because he's going to be like, what are you out of your mind? Where am I going to wear this? To the park? When am I going to take the kids to the park? <laughs> Where are these bulge pants? They're going to get me arrested. Where does one wear these? Is it not like, um, like kind of borderline, like, like, uh, indecent exposure if you wear these? Like, I have so many questions. I don't want to see how it hangs, to be completely honest. I think that's the issue. I don't want to see how it hangs. It hangs how it hangs, whatever. But also, how it hangs in your pants with clothes on is not indicative of how it actually hangs when you need it to actually not be hanging, when you need it to be standing. <laughs> Let's be honest here, okay? But again, where are you wearing these? Maybe the gym, fine. There's weirdos at the gym. I hook up at the gym, fine. Whatever. If you're a person that hooks up at the gym, I'm not calling you a weirdo. But there are people who do that. It's not for me, okay? But I just want to know where she thinks these people are wearing these joggers. To the club? Certainly not to the park. <laughs> do not wear these to the park. You will get arrested. Uh, I spent eight minutes talking about these pants that I'm never going to wear. So I'm sorry. Let me move on. Um... Let's see where else. Oh, so Candy is throwing a little get together for Ace. It's his birthday in the middle of the week. And so she's having a little mini party with a camping truck. Like I want to throw my son a birthday party with a gaming truck uh, next year or maybe the year after when he turns 10. The only reason I would throw it next year is because it's going to be, it is not, a, he'll turn nine. It's not a milestone birthday, but it's a birthday that we we're not, we weren't sure he was going to see because he got cancer when he was three. So I would do that. But again, it would be like a, not like a midweek. I mean, Candy is so rich. Who cares? Um, Drew's kids come. Kenya comes with Brooklyn. And at the same time, we see, uh, who is it at La Archive? Marlo. Marlo, of course. Who owns La Archive? Sheree is at uh, La Archive visiting Marlo. And they are talking about what's going on with the nephews, right? They're all like, Marlo, how are you doing after you kicked us all out of your party or whatever, your trip? And Marlo starts to tell Sheree that one of the children, William misses her, or Michael misses her, and William is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's apparently goofing off. He is um, laying around. He's playing video games. He hasn't showered. And then she calls the sister and she's like, why is he allowed to play video games? So, okay, there's so much to unpack here. Number one, this child is depressed. Actually, let me take that back. The signs, the child not getting up and showering and all that, that is definitely, that's a sign of depression. But two, the kids sitting around and playing video games is like what kids do. What did you think was going to happen when you send two teenage boys to a house with four toddlers and there is supposed to be home. It's like, okay, when I, like a lot of parents, when they um, punish their children for doing something bad, they'll say like, oh, you know, you're getting your iPad taken away. 
you know what happens when I take the iPad away? They're up my ass, okay? In this day and age, punishing your children with no screens doesn't really help you, especially like for me, I work from home. So it does not help me when my kids have nothing else to do. Like, yes, could I limit their screen time? There are times when we do that where we say, okay, after like 6 p.m., no more screens. We're going to do dinner. We're going to do family time. We'll play board games. We'll color. We'll do something. There are definitely times. And a lot of times that works really well. But again, in those situations, if I take the screen away, if I take away the thing that they want to be doing, I have to replace it with me time. Telling kids, like, I'm taking away your privileges, but then I'm also going to kick you out of the house, it's not effective in any way. But, I mean, also kicking your nephews out of your house is not effective in any way. But she's, like, mad because, one, you kick them out, and then, two, you are now complaining to the person with four fucking toddlers how she should be punishing the kids. Like, you can't kick them out and then be mad at how they're being taken care of. Like, shut up, Marlo. This whole thing is so annoying. Um, Back at Ace's party, Kenya, Candy, Todd, and Drew are talking, and they're talking about security and all this stuff, whatever. We find out, oh, the only thing that was exciting that we found out is only because Kenya must have said it 100 times that Cardi B lives in our neighborhood. She must have said it 100,000 times. We got it, Kenya. We got it. Um... We also find out that Candy's Broadway show was shut down because Omicron hit the cast and Candy in Confessionals is just super duper emotional talking about just how devastating it's been for her. And Candy is wonderful. Now, you know, if you play this with the other clip that was on the internet where Candy says, Marlo is getting on my motherfucking nerves. That clip was because Marlo said that Candy only lives for herself. She doesn't do anything for the people. She doesn't do anything for the culture. And here is Candy investing all this money and all this time into Black entertainment, into Black artists, into Black communities, because she wants to build them up. She wants them to get the best they can. And it's been devastating for her to be able to, to see that it's not going as well. And she's talking in fashion, she's emotional about like how everybody thinks that I've just, you know, it's just easy for me. It's not easy for me. I pour my heart into it. I work really hard to do these things. And the thing is, she's not doing those things to boost herself up. She's doing it to truly boost other people up. And certainly she makes money from it. But like, Candy is becoming a little like not a little she's like a she's a mogul at this point. And her sole purpose, and I know this just from watching Candy and the Gang, which is such a good show. Her big thing is always, how can I uplift people? How can I give them chances? How can I give people opportunity to get a leg up? Because what the hell else are we doing here? And this is also important for later on when Todd is having a conversation with the kids about the trust, okay? Just remember the kind of person Candy is here, okay? Anyway, Candy's wonderful. Um, Back at Law Archive, Sonia shows up, and now she is fully up Marlo's ass against Kenya, and I don't care about Sonia. I don't know what she's doing. Now, Marlo in this scene is now suddenly mad at Candy, too, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why Marlo is mad at Candy. Is she mad because she's friends with Kenya? Is she mad because she thinks that Candy didn't do enough? It doesn't matter why she's mad at Candy, because... 
She's the one after the Jamaican dinner that was sitting outside talking cash money shit about Kenya and Candy with Sheree. Okay. And let's not forget that we saw that. I don't know what she thought the editors were going to do with that footage, but I have no idea why Marlo is mad at these people. I also don't understand why they keep talking about Kenya being like, oh, she soured the trip. Kenya showed up and was smiling and happy. The only person who was being a sourpuss in Blue Ridge was Marlo. Marlo was being a sourpuss. And she was just mad that everybody was happy that Kenya was there. That's the only thing. If anybody caused trouble in Blue Ridge, it was Drew and Fatoum. Okay. Anyway, they're talking about the Jamaica trip that's coming up that Sonia is putting together. And she expresses about 142 times that this is a couple's trip. She calls Kenya to tell her that the Jamaica trip is a couple's trip. She says it. So I do think she was super condescending. And that's not just because I'm team twirl. But Kenya hangs up on her because she's like, fuck this shit. I'm not dealing with this. Okay. And Sonia, again, is just like fully team Marlo because she's an idiot. Um, But it's, I also think what Sonia is doing is that she feels bad for inviting candy and kenya to that mommy nation photo shoot so this is her way of making it up by like being really up marlo's and sherry's ass i don't know but um kenny hangs up on her because you're not going to call a single person who's going through divorce and express a hundred times that it's a couple's trip i just want to make it clear that it's a couple's trip i want to make it clear that it's that's annoying girl you could put that in a text to say or you could say politely you could say hey This is a couple's trip, and I know that you might feel a little bit left out. So you certainly do not have to bring a plus one or, like, a person that you're dating. You can bring a friend. You just need to bring – and the thing is she says that to the other girls, but when she's calling Kenya and telling her it's a couple's trip, she's being annoying as hell. Now, I know she's being annoying as hell because Kenya pretended like she didn't know that New York was a couple's trip, even though she was told it was a couple's trip. So I know why Sonia is being so, like, let me, let me uh, clarify and make it clear. I get it. But also, like, girl, you barely know these people. You do not get a chance to do. You don't, you don't, you don't do this, okay? You're being rude. Of course, Kenya is also rude for hanging up on her. But I would also hang up on her. Um, then Marlo goes to therapy. And it seems like this is the first time in the three years since she became the sudden caretaker of these children that she's gone to therapy. She didn't want to be a parent, okay? She never wanted to be a parent. And then she's given guardianship of guardianship. She becomes guardian for these kids. And she doesn't think that she should go to therapy. Girl, you should go to therapy even if you don't have kids and you don't ever become anybody's guardian because you had a traumatic childhood. Hello. Hi. Hey, this is a better help ad. (laughs) Go to therapy. Okay, we have a discount code. It's called reality. (laughs) I'm not getting paid for saying this right now. I do get paid the very, very minuscule amount, like literally cents for the ad that shows up in the beginning of this episode. But go to therapy. Everybody should go to therapy. Even if you had a, even if you had a regular childhood, everybody should go to therapy because guess what? Deep down inside, we are all just battling with our inner child to be grownups, okay? Everything we do as adults is overcompensating for something that happened to us as kids, good, bad, or ugly, whatever. Everybody should go to therapy. But Marla, you should definitely go to therapy. Now, I'm glad she's going in this scene. This therapist tells her exactly all the same things that Kenya and Candy have said. 
She's saying exactly the same. He's saying exactly the same thing. Dr. Tart. Dr. Tart. No comment. Um, Dr. Tart, Christian therapist, gives her the exact same advice that Candy has been giving her. She says he says the exact same things and she takes it from the therapist and not anybody else. But the conversation is essentially the same. Marla keeps going up to people and being like, hey, so like I just am I ruining the kids? Blah, blah, blah. All this. Stuff. I'm like, OK, um, you already know what you're doing. You, you are just going to different places to get validation for your actions and you're not getting validation. And the doctor's right in that. Um, I don't know if he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Um, he's right in saying that, you know, you, it's fine for you to want a break. It's acceptable that you are exhausted. But what you need to be cognizant of is if you are making these children feel abandoned, which is what she's doing. You know, it ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes your own insecurities take up so much of your mind that everything you end up doing to overcompensate that insecurity just leads back to that thing happening because you forced the situation. Um, anyway, speaking of kids, Kayla and Riley, Todd and Candy's children are visiting. And <laughs> these kids, like, they do not want to be on camera. Okay. They don't want to be on camera. They are, they give nothing every single season, but I just love watching Todd and Candy try to pull their teeth on camera. I'm like, you know, the cameraman behind the camera are crying. They're crying, yawning. It's ridiculous. Um, anyway, they're talking about a trust, setting up a trust and a, and a will and everything. And, these editors really, really, really just want to remind everyone that all Todd has ever done on this show is have a corny condo in Fort Lee, New Jersey. But Todd sure has a lot of nerve to sit around and talk about what he wants with the money and what to do with the money. Todd, for doing nothing, you sure have a lot to say, okay? But basically the women in the room are like, you're a stingy old dude. Okay, you're a stingy old dude. And Todd gets up and he leaves. Now, Todd's version of parenting versus Candy's version of parenting is important because of what I said earlier. Right. Candy is somebody who was who worked really hard and likely along the way she was given an opportunity by somebody who would not have otherwise given her that opportunity. Right. Like she got a small she got a, an inch and she worked hard enough where she got to a mile. Right. And like she really. She's really proven herself over the years to be somebody who's there for the community. She wants to uplift people and she trusts people. She And, and maybe it's to her detriment because a lot of times, I'm sure there's been times when it hasn't paid off. But for the most part, on all the, the shows that I've seen Candy on, on all the things that she's done, she's really created a, a way to build wealth for Black people, young Black people. Like, again, Candy and the Gang is a great... Um, is a great example of it. On Candy and the Gang, she has her two nephews, Patrick and uh, I can't remember the cook's name, the chef. I can't remember his name, but she's got two nephews. One runs the parking lot. He's the CEO of the parking lot of OLG. And then the other one is a chef and he works in the kitchen. And, you know, she paid for the one who is a chef to 
go to culinary school and she paid for the other one. She didn't pay for him. He had a, he had a scholarship because Patrick, I think he had a scholarship because he's an athlete, but he went to college. And so Candy gave those kids opportunities. And then she said, all right, I gave you an opportunity. I'm here to remind you that I, I gave you an opportunity and now you need to prove yourself. Right. But she didn't say it in a way of you need to prove yourself. or I'm going to take it away. The problem with somebody like Todd is he doesn't even want to give you the opportunity. He wants you to work up to his level, which is difficult. You know, I think this brings up a really great um, conversation that a lot of households have, a lot of people of color have in their households, a lot of immigrants have. And it's that immigrant grind mentality of like, you need to be tough and work as hard as I did. And you need to, you know, walk in eight feet of snow barefoot to school, all that shit. I think that it's a lot of families have this where you're like, am I, how do you balance with, how do you balance between teaching lessons and having entitled children? Right. I think Candy is doing a great job. Like her daughter isn't just like living in an apartment in New York city and like chilling. She's going to college and she's doing really well. She goes to NYU. Like NYU one is not a cheap school and two, it's not an easy school to get into. So like, these kids are working really hard. Whereas Kayla is like probably working a hundred jobs to pay for the little studio that she lives in, in New York city. And I get it that she wants to, he wants to teach her lessons, but guess what? The only lesson she's learning in this is that her dad is not helping. All she learns is the, the only lesson she's learning is I have to work hard. And if shit hits the fan, I can't rely on my dad. Cause he's not going to help me. He's going to try to teach me another fucking lesson. Like, I'm a big believer that everything I do in my life, everything I'm doing in my life is to make my children's life easier and my life easier. Why do we work? Obviously, one level we work is to pay bills and live because high capitalism. But we work, continue to work as hard as we do for to make money, to have conveniences in life, right? That's why we work hard is because we'd like to be able to have a convenience, And so it is convenient for Candy to give Riley an apartment so that that's one less thing that she needs to be worried about. She can, all she needs to do, all she needs to do is worry, work on her studies because she's got nothing else to worry about. But Kayla, she has to work on, I think she's graduated, but she had to go to college. She had to work a job. She had to, you're giving your child all this stress for what? For what? They're going to have to do that stuff in their life later on anyway. Eventually, she will have to learn how to pay her own bills and work a job and handle all this. But as long as you can afford it, why not give your kids the easiest, the, the conveniences of your life? Because I believe that when you don't do that for your kids, all you're doing is creating an environment where your kids are resentful of you and where your kids are... Uh, they just know that they can't rely on their parents. And I don't mean that for like us normal people who like aren't, don't have $5 million of trust waiting around. I'm talking about like, you know, people with money. How rude would it be for, I mean, it is rude. It is rude for Todd to have Kayla work this way and Riley gets a different life. It sucks. It must suck for Kayla to look at that comparison. That's terrible. And she knows that her siblings, Ace and Blaze, are not going to have to work the way that she had to work. And all it's going to do is make her resentful of her father. Like, she's 
she's rolling her eyes at Todd and she's like, yeah, you, whatever. Like you're always trying to teach us, teach us the lesson, but she's not learning a lesson. Again, the only lesson she learns is that my dad is a stingy old man. Okay. And like Candy trusts people. She respects them enough. She gives them her heart and soul so that you can do well for her because she trusted you, right? Like, it's not just about giving you my money. It's about giving you my trust, my, my respect. And I'm giving that to you. And that's more valuable than any money I'll give to you. But I'm giving you respect and I'm giving you trust and I'm giving you responsibility. And I am really, really big on like, you know, uh, like the, I'm really big on just giving your kids what you can that you didn't have. You don't have to raise your child the way you were raised, okay? The way we were raised was real fucked up, okay? Nobody should be living the way we live. But also, the way we were raised was for a different world. Our kids are being, our kids are growing up in a different world than we had, okay? And it's only like, I had, I had my first son at 28. And so, in my mind, I'm like, oh, 28 years ago, that wasn't that long ago. But it was. My kids live in a completely different world than, than me. And they're being raised in a completely different world than me. And they have access to things differently than I did. So for me to try to build the same lessons on them would be bullshit. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I spent too much time on this, didn't I? I enjoy talking about it, okay? Sue me. Um, then we have Sonia hosting the sad little party in prep for Jamaica. And... It's also a little birthday party for Sheree, but like, it's a, it's a sad party, guys. It's uh it's a sad party. Okay. It's not, I don't like Drew, but it really is giving party city. It is low budget. Okay. And as Mia says, I want it to be somewhere that wasn't low budget. Okay. But, um, everybody gives, brings gifts except Drew. Drew doesn't gift bring a gift because she's mad about Fatum and so she didn't bring Sheree a birthday present. But like I actually think what it was is that she forgot to bring a gift. She feels embarrassed and now she's coming in all bump pumping her chest and mad about Fatum and the dog and blah 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 blah. Shut the fuck up, Drew. You forgot a gift. Okay. You you forgot a gift. You didn't have your headshot to sign. You didn't have a dog prop and you didn't have a nasty wig or a cassette tape and a boom box, whatever the hell that was. Drew forgot to give, bring a gift. Okay. That's really what it is. Kenya comes and Marlo's there and Marlo's all like, no one's going to ruin my day. And I hate this because she's like, I'm not going to let Kenya come and ruin my day while she sits and scowls in the corner. I hate this kind of person. She did this in Blue Ridge where she was like, I'm not going to let Kenya ruin the mood while she could, while she ruined the mood and was a sourpuss. Okay. I hate that shit. Um, Sonia and Kenya talk, uh, about the, the hang up, about Kenya hanging up and Sonia says, sorry for being condescending and Kenya explains her point of view. And again, my favorite thing about rehearsals of Atlanta compared to like Beverly Hills is that they just like talk about it and squash it and move on. Okay. Everybody's laughing and kicking and having a great time afterwards. Sheree comes, everyone sings happy birthday, acapella, uh, because Sonia's DJ can't find a working power outlet. <laughs> It's so sad. It's so sad. It just squeals in joy. Sheree's impressed with Sonia through her birthday, even though she barely knows her. And like, Sheree's always impressed by new people doing anything nice for her. But then she always compares it to her old friends not doing enough for her. And I hate that shit. Like, just if somebody gives you something, just take it. You don't have to take it and then be like, 
oh, but look at everybody else who should be doing something. It's like, no, that person wanted to do something. They were compelled to do something for you on camera. It was kind of shitty, but on camera, let it be what it is. You don't have to compare it to your other friends. That's so annoying. Um, like I said, the party's low budget. The girls are eating. They asked Drew about this dog bone shit. And instead of addressing any of her corny ass props, Drew deflects to Sheree and she's, you know, about Sheree throws rocks and hides hands and Sheree is throwing tomatoes at her and Drew pretends like she doesn't know what she's doing. I mean, the way that Drew operates is maddening in real life, but it is great as a housewife because you need someone annoying who deflects, who doesn't own their shit. We've seen Ashley Darby do this. We've seen Teddy try to do this, but Teddy, you're on the wrong cast and you're bad at it. And the nits that you pick, Teddy, are stupid. Um, who else have we seen try to do this Do this kind of stuff? We tried. Whitney always tries to do it in Salt Lake City, but she's always too drunk. Um, you know, these are, these are good. This type of personality is great on Housewives. In real life, it drives me crazy. Um, but anyway, they squash it, whatever. It, Drew tries to say some shit about like, oh, in your old age, you forgot that Marlo calls your 60 girls. If I look like Marlo, I mean, sorry, Marlo tries. Yeah, Marlo calls Sheree um, 60. Drew says some shit about Sheree in your old age. You probably forgot. But girl, you wish that you look like Sheree in your old age. If I look like Sheree in my old age, I'd be like, old. by the way, she's in her early 50s. If I was Sheree's age looking the way she looks, I'd be like, yeah, girls, I'm 70. And you wish that you looked as good as me at your age, okay? But anyway, they squash it. But I want to talk about Drew later because she's an asshole. Um, Because she was on Watch What Happens Live and I cannot stand this woman at all. She's the worst person ever, (laughs) okay? She's, she's, it's, hey, if you didn't, if you were wondering, is it possible to be problematic as a person of color, as a black person? Why does Noor only complain about the white ladies? Well, I'm about to complain about the black woman, not the black woman. Jesus, that sounded horrible. I mean, I'm about to complain about a person of color who is also problematic. Okay, I'm going to complain about it here. I'm going to complain about it with Anila because she sucks. But anyway, Drew sings. Then Sonia shares a bunch of rules for Jamaica. And, you know, Sonia, you got to calm down. You have to chill out. Okay, you got to chill out. Take it down a notch. But it's whatever. Anyway, Drew was on Watch What Happens Live and Andy asked her about whether or not she regrets telling Sonia to have a baby because that is what she should do for her husband. And Drew doubled, tripled down, girls. She said, it's our one job as women to fulfill what our husbands want. And our husband isn't going to do it. So if that's what our husbands need to feel happy in their marriage... To complete a family, we have to give that to them. What in the handmaid's tale Gilead shit is this, Drew? How dare you? And Contessa's next year, Contessa, a doctor, is like, okay, I get what you're trying to say, but like, no. Like, no. No. And Ralph is in the audience and watch what happens like being like, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. What? Drew sucks. 
Drew sucks and is a reminder that even people of color can be problematic and have problematic stances that are ass backwards, okay? God, she's horrible. She's horrible. And straight up, Andy calls her. He's like, you sound like the Supreme Court. And she's like, no, no, no. What? Oh, Contessa, back me up. Like, no, girl, you're on your own. No. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Mary to Medicine because I'm talking about Contessa. Okay. So we open up on the ineffective intervention at Contessa's house against Heavenly. And it doesn't go well. Um, But it's also so funny because, like, after Heavenly, quote, unquote, leaves, Simone and Quad are talking and everybody's talking about how it was not a good idea. And they're both saying the exact same thing, which is heavenly has come for us, but this isn't the way to do it. And we have to try to get to her, explain it to her in another way. But they're all both saying the exact same thing, but somehow they're fighting with each other. And then the next minute they're cackling. I love them so much. Um, Heavenly, like I said, is the first to leave, but can't leave, <laughs> can't leave because she's, she's locked herself out of her car. She can't figure it out. Could you imagine storming out of a party? You were, you go to a party, you're insulted. And then you are like, I'm leaving. And everybody else is inside and you storm off. And then everyone's like, didn't you leave like an hour ago? I'm waiting for AAA to come and get me because I can't start my car. That's embarrassing. Um, The next day, Toya visits Simone and they're psychoanalyzing the situation and they assess the team. You got the enablers, you got Quad, Anila, and Jackie, who are the enablers of Heavenly. And then you have everybody else. Now, I don't think Quad is so much an enabler. I think that Quad is somebody who keeps giving Heavenly chances because she has a genuinely good time with Heavenly. I think that Quad also is a producer on a show. So I think Quad recognizes that Heavenly does a lot of it for TV. Whereas Simone is like, you don't have to pick on your friends to make content for TV and be a character. You know, because the thing is, Heavenly is a big personality. She has lots to say about everybody else. But like they say, she gives nothing about herself. Herself and daddy are always untouchable. You cannot talk about them. You cannot look at your hus- her husband, this, that, and the other. But you make everybody else who is actually open and honest, unfortunately, in the words of Kyle Richard, open and honest about their relationships, you have to come for them. Now, is Heavenly a lost cause? Of course. There's no breaking through to this woman. Okay. Ugh. Um, Heavenly and Anila meet up at the same time and Heavenly says that she expected this from everybody else, but not from Contessa. And uh, the thing is, when she says she didn't expect it from Contessa, it's because Contessa hasn't come for Heavenly yet. That's basically what it is. It's the years that Contessa's Heavenly's been on the show. Everybody except for Contessa has come for her. And so she didn't expect it from Contessa because she didn't she has never had this altercation with her. It's like you poke a bear enough, eventually the bear is going to bite you back. I hate the poke a bear. I feel like every time I say you poke a bear, it reminds me of like Teresa. Like Teresa loves that analogy. Anyway, Teresa doesn't know what analogies are. Um, but yeah, Heavenly then continues to use her camera time to um, tr- trash everyone. Okay, now she's saying 
that Toya and Eugene are miserable as per Quad. Okay. Quad's not even there. But she says, Toya and Eugene are miserable. Contessa is mad at her husband. Everybody sucks. And then Anil is like, well, Quad is upset, not about the filler stuff, but you saying that she opens her legs to marry none. And uh, Heavenly continues to double down on that. She gives names. <laughs> she does it all. And then she goes to confessionals and she's like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. And obviously that is because Quad's probably had words with her and told her, like, you better not fucking bring this up. And now Heavenly's fucked up and she's brought it up. And uh, bango, bango, she's screwed. Um, let's see what else. Then, uh, Contessa has a great scene talking about CTE with her patient. Again, Married to Medicine, every episode has at least one moment where they actually talk about medicine and I appreciate it. Okay. Um, Anila shows us her post Ms. Gomez life and like, honestly, okay. Okay. You made a giant house that takes you a long time to get from one place to the other. And now you're complaining that you're the only person that gets, that has to work in this giant house to do all the stuff that you have to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your job, your job is to use your phone to post pictures in beautiful clothes. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for you. I don't. Um, also weird thing happens where like her son is having a meltdown and her daughter's taking pictures of it. It's really weird. I don't know. It alarmed me. Um, Heavenly, they're all getting ready for a Halloween party. And Heavenly is telling Daddy what happened at Contessa's. And Daddy's like, listen, Heavenly, like, he says some misogynist shit about, like, men get to be angry. And women shouldn't be angry. We can't be aggressive. Shut up, Daddy. Um, But he says, Heavenly, you're a leader and you need to do better. Okay, you can't control what other people do, but you need to be better. And... I mean, Heavenly is a very different person when she's talking to her husband, and it's confusing. They're getting ready, and Heavenly says, don't come in here, I'm naked, while she's in the bathroom. And then Daddy goes in, and he says, hey, buddy. (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember, but like a couple months ago, Arthi was on, and she was talking about how, hey, buddy is so condescending, except for when... (laughs) Daddy Damon says it. Daddy Damon Kimes says it because Dr. Daddy Damon Kimes says it because he says, hey, buddy. <laughs> he says it when he goes into heaven. Like, now they have this Halloween party and I just have to say, Anila and her husband are whack. Okay, they're whack. They're corny. Okay, you are ridiculous. It's a lot. It is a lot. You First of all, renting a U-Haul costs money. Getting those jumpsuits engraved costs money. It's a lot. You put they put in at least, I'm gonna say, a grand on a Halloween costume. Okay. Meanwhile, Toya's just put on one of her Adidas jumpsuits and a wig. And then Eugene just put on that ridiculous sideshow bob <laughs> looking Jay-Z wig. And It's fine, whatever. But like, you guys put in so much effort and you thought you were so funny. But the thing is, you're not even friends with these people. You're not good friends with them. Like, Anila's fighting with Toya later and she's like, we're not even friends. Don't say you're my friend. If you're not friends with them, then why did you do that? Why did you make a joke out of their life? Now, do I think it's messed up because they're not friends with them? Yes, but at the same time, 
being this mad about it tells me that something else is going on. Okay. Um, I just liked Simone's costume because her costume was <laughs> old rich bitch. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, now Heavenly in the party is doing some sort of damage control with Quad. Quad gives a a, uh, a um, ultimatum to, in the confessional. She Quad <laughs> Quad does amazing confessional work. There's this clip that's going around on the internet right now. It's her saying something like, you want my arm, your leg, or do you want my head on a platter? And when she says head on a platter, she literally takes a platter out of her lap and puts her head on it. (laughs) So Quad does amazing confessional work, but she says, she looks at the camera, she says, Heavenly, I'm talking to you. If I ever hear anything about me again, I am done with our friendship or whatever. But Quad is just heavenly straight up trying to deny all the shit that she says. She doesn't own any of it. Even the shit that she said to Anila, like, what, two days before. Um, then the men go to throw axes and Eugene and Karen get into it. And I do agree with everybody where if your friend is offended, if your friend is offended, the all you can do is say you're sorry. Right? You have to say sorry. So Karen does that. But then he says, but I think that shit is funny. No, 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 no. You, if, if somebody's offended, you say, I am sorry. And you keep the, I still think it's funny part inside. You don't say it out loud. Just keep it inside. Just keep it inside. You know, a good move would be to say, I'm sorry that you're offended. I, I really apologize. I thought it was funny. I guess it wasn't a joke to you. Could you help explain to me? what part of it was maybe not even that yeah you know what Eugene doesn't owe you an explanation he doesn't but also Eugene you're getting so worked up like that you're adult like they got so mad that they had a tantrum and they left the party which tells me again that something else is going on like everybody needs to talk like an adult instead of having like an absolute meltdown and I think that I think that there's something else going on with Eugene and Toya that is clearly a nerve is being hit. Something else happened. Something is going on. Um, It's weird because Karen's like, I'll just be the dullest motherfucker in the room. And then Eugene says, call me motherfucker one more time. And I was like, that's not what he said. Huh? Huh? Eugene, what's what's going on with you? Why are you so upset? What's, what is it? What is it? What is it? Is it Toya? Is it work? Are you depressed? What's going on? Again, you don't owe anybody anything, but at the same time, like you don't get to have a tantrum and just say, I'm offended and therefore I'm having a tantrum. No, let's talk about it then if you're getting this upset. But anyway, that's it for this episode. I will be back. Uh, I think hopefully with Arthi. Okay, cross your fingers. Arthi's going to be back uh, for our Saturday episode to talk about Beverly Hills and Dubai. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.
reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and you're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. <laughs>